Okay, we've been in a series called Travel Light. We've been talking about uh, traveling through this world, our time here on earth, as lightly as possible, meaning don't get too bogged down by the physical things around us, don't get too bogged down with uh, mental clutter, if you will, or emotional issues. And uh, today we're talking about, I guess it's an emotional issue, letting go of your past. Now, this is the last Sunday in the year. Most of you know that. So it's natural for us to kind of reflect on the past year. And for some of you, it's been probably a good year. And some of you probably think good riddance to this past year. Um, But it's natural for us to do that. So we do some time looking back, which can be good, but also can be uh, uh, negative to our our Christian life or walk with Jesus. And if you're not a Jesus follower, uh, for you also. Uh, We're glad that you're watching or, or present. Each Sunday, I've been starting this series with this reminder. If you're a Jesus follower, now if you're not, don't pay attention. But if you're a Jesus follower, this world's not your home. Uh, We're just passing through. It's kind of like going on vacation. You don't take everything with you. You pack the car, and and then you come back. Um, But this is not our home. And so we ought to travel light as we pass through it. Excuse me. Uh, so, remember. What do you remember uh, about this past year? Uh, some of it's probably good, some not so good. Uh, give you a personal illustration of not just this past year, but of something that, uh, in this case, my wife uh, said to me. Some of you have been around long enough to know I did a series called uh, uh, Guardrails, and I would say it's not wise for a person like myself to be go out to dinner or be alone with somebody of the opposite sex. That's, that's dangerous to my, my wife relationship. Well, I, uh, 1990, 1990 uh, I, we were back from the mission field and my wife and I were doing what we called deputation. We go to churches and talk about our mission work. We were missionaries in Portugal. But uh, I had another job with the mission board And that was I was traveling to groups of churches around the state of Maryland and asking their director of missions if they could suggest a pastor of one of their churches as potential international missionary. And so I'd be traveling around the state. And so I came across a friend that I had, and my sister's here, she'll remember her, uh, from our church growing up. Her name was Lisa Snyder. And at that time, she was probably... 14, 15 years old, and I was in seminary, so I was 20, a couple years old. But we were family friends, church friends. So in 1990, though, she's probably like 30 years old, and I'm close to 40 years old. And so I connected with her, and I had dinner with her one night. Nothing happened. Um, In fact, she was the one who suggested to us at that time, marriage issues, that we go to counseling, which we did, and worked out some of our our marriage issues. We were married 13 years at that point. And uh, so when I did that series, so my wife occasionally would say, do you remember when you went out with Lisa and uh, it was just the two of you by yourselves? And I said, yes, I remember. That's something I shouldn't have done. Now she's pretty, my wife is pretty kind about that. It doesn't bring it up a lot. But we all have people in our lives that will say to us, remember when. And it's usually about something we 
aren't too pleased about. But we don't need somebody else to tell us, do we? Because our minds will tell us. And we'll remember back when I did this or did that or didn't do that. So I don't know who it is or what it is in your life, but we can't help but remember. So we're going to look at a guy uh, in Scripture. Actually, he was one of Jesus' disciples that had a really powerful, if I use that word, powerful negative remembrance. Now, <clears throat> Peter, we're talking about Peter. We talked about Peter a couple of weeks ago. He actually walked on water. Only person in the history of mankind besides Jesus that did that. So, you know, he had his high moments, his good moments, right? <clears throat> so Jesus, in the last night of his life, he's meeting with his disciples. He said, you're all going to deny me. You're all going to betray me. You're all going to leave me. And uh, a couple of them questioned, am I the one that's going to betray you? Uh, but Peter, and Peter often was the one that spoke up. What did Peter say? Peter said, not me. Never going to happen. Even a threat of death, I'm never going to deny you, Jesus. I spent three, year, three plus years with you, and that that's not going to happen. Jesus gets arrested. Best we can tell, all the disciples scattered except for Peter. And Peter kind of tagged along. And so Jesus is on trial. And Peter's warming himself by a fire, and this little girl comes up to him, servant girl, and says, Hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? She said, No, you're mistaken. Another person comes up and says, Hey, you sound like you're from Galilee. You're one of Jesus' followers? She says, No, no, it's not me. Finally, a third time he's asked, and what is his response? I never even knew the man. And then we're going to pick up the narrative there. It's in Luke chapter 22. If you want to follow along, it's be on the screen. <clears throat> at that moment, after he said it the third time, the Lord evidently was in seeing distance from him. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. It had only been a few hours earlier. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you ever even knew me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Now, could you imagine me and Peter? What would you be feeling at this point? Uh, wept bitterly. Shame, guilt, regret. All those and probably other emotions too. Um, and what, what does that look like to have those kinds of emotions? What happens is uh, I believe that the evil one, Satan, the enemy, or whatever you want to call him, uses those uh, past negative experiences in our lives to kind of, well, to lie to us. He always lies to us. So I want to share what I believe is three big lies that Satan tells us about our past failures. Uh, the first one is that you're unforgivable. Now, if you're Peter, you're probably thinking that's pretty unforgivable, right? I deny Christ. After I said I wouldn't, swore I wouldn't, I didn't deny him just once. I denied him three times. That, that's got to be unforgivable. Jesus is never going to forgive me for that. And you may have something in your life that you think is unforgivable, either because it's so bad or I think for some of us, sometimes it's the same thing over and over and over. And we finally think, God can't keep forgiving me for this. I keep messing up. 
That kind of leads into a second lie of Satan is then, obviously, you're unlovable. If you, I can't forgive you, I can't, I can't love you. You've just done something too bad. And I'm sure Peter was thinking, God can't, Jesus can't love me anymore after I treated him so, so badly. And that leads to the third thing, then you are useless. Um, God can't use you. You messed up. You're not lovable. You're not forgivable. Then I can't use you. And you're just useless to God's work. <clears throat> so here's the problem. If you and I can't get our past, our, get past our past, is that how I put it on there? Let go. If you can't let go of your past, you can't take hold of your future or the future God has for you. Now, as the story goes, uh, Jesus is crucified, and then Peter and some of the other disciples go back to their old job. What was their old job? They were fishermen. So they go back fishing. So shortly after this, we don't know exactly the time frame, a few days, they're back fishing, and somebody's on the shore. They're close enough to see. They said, how, how did you do? This is in the morning. They've been fishing all night. And I've got a few fishermen in our congregation. When they've gone fishing and come back, I say, you know, how did you do? It's normal conversation. And so um, they said, oh, we didn't been fishing all night, didn't catch anything. And the guy on the shore says, hey, well, just cast your net on the other side. Now, I don't know why after all night and catching nothing they would do this, but they did. And if you read the story, they, they caught so many fish, they had trouble getting them back into the boat. At this point... Scripture tells us that Peter realizes this guy on the shore is Jesus. And so he does his best um, Michael Phelps imitation. He jumps in the water and swims ashore. Now, text also tells us that Jesus fixed them breakfast. And um, so Jesus came to Peter, particularly, and um, serves him breakfast. Now, i got to believe that's one of the most awkward breakfasts in history. We have no account of what conversation went on, if any, during that meal. But then we'll pick up the text after that in John chapter 21. <clears throat> they finished eating breakfast. Jesus said, Simon. He didn't say, say Simon. He said, Simon, son of John. That's like giving your full name. I don't know when you were growing up if your parents did this, but when you were in trouble... They didn't just call you by your first name, right? In my case, it would be Henry Allen Youngbar. Uh, my wife's mother used to call her Deborah Sue. If she called her Deborah Sue, she knew she was in trouble. So Jesus uses Simon's full name, Simon, son of John. Now, what do you think he's going to say? What would you and I do? Say, okay, Simon, I want to sit you down here. I want you to realize what you did. You, did you realize you denied me three times? just like I said you did? Don't you think you ought to ask me for forgiveness? That's how you and I would act, right? That's not how Jesus did. He said, Simon, do you love me? Do you love me more than these other things? Simon's answer, yes, Lord. In fact, you know that I love you. You know everything. Jesus gives them an assignment. He gives them some work to do. He's not unusable at this point, right? Take care of my lambs. <clears throat> the text goes on. Jesus asks him a second time. Simon, son of John, 
Do you love me? Peter's response, yes, Lord. You must surely know that I love you. Again, you know everything. Gives him assignment. Shepherd my sheep. Then the text gets really interesting. It says, for the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, if you ask somebody a question like that, and you answered it once, and you answered it a second time, when they ask you the third time, how are you feeling? Wait a minute, I've already answered this twice. Don't you believe me? Don't you understand what I'm saying? What's the problem? The Scripture says Peter was hurt because he asked him a third time. And probably you and I would be too. Don't you believe me? Don't you trust me? What's the problem? Do you love me? Simon's response. You know everything. You know that I love you. Look after my sheep. Now, <clears throat> notice Jesus could have said, eh, no big deal, Peter. I forgive you. Could have just let it, let it all go, right? But he didn't. Why not? Why did, he ask, why did Jesus ask him three times until the point where he was hurt that Jesus asked him? Well, I'll put on your outline this. God is far more concerned with lasting healing than with short-term feelings. Jesus wasn't concerned with hurting Peter's feelings. He was wanting to get Peter from a place of guilt and regret to the place of usefulness. He had a job for him to do, a big job. It reminded me of when we were kids and we would skin our knees and get dirt in our knees and we'd run into a house our mother didn't say, no big deal, right? Or our father, whoever it might be, a caregiver. And they would clean it out. And it might hurt when they're cleaning out that dirt. But that was necessary for healing. And so Jesus does that with you and I. He wants to get to the place where we can get past the, our past and be useful, can, can be healed. So on your outline. We can't undo the past. You and I can't. We can't change our past. It's history. But we can't, God can change our future. So I want to give you two, two things to do or two sides of the same coin, uh, how to get past our past. <clears throat> First, let go of our past. Close the door on the past. You've got to deal with it. And we've got to stop believing those lies that were unforgivable, unlovable, unusable. Why? Well, Truth is this, God's grace is greater than our sin, no matter what it is, or when it, no matter how much or how many times we've done it. <clears throat> how do we know? Because this book tells us, Scripture tells us. <clears throat> A verse that's pretty familiar to most church people. <clears throat> A wonderful promise, it's in 1 John 1, 9. But it's so familiar to us, I thought we would use the amplified version to kind of Get us to think a little more deeply about it. <clears throat> so it says, if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, okay, yes, I've done this, it's wrong, forgive me. He, meaning God, is faithful and just. God's always faithful and just. Another way to think of that is true to his own nature and promises. He promises to do this, his nature is to always be faithful and just. 
He'll forgive our sins and cleanse us. I like this, this word, added word in here. Continually. Cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness or, or wrongdoing or sin. Our wrongdoing, everything not. Now, we, sometimes we think it's just the wrong, bad stuff we've done, the wrong stuff. Everything not in conformity, conformity excuse me, with his will and purpose for our life. Now, notice it doesn't say, well, if you promise not to do it again, if you straighten up, if you go to church regularly, if you, you know, start reading your Bible, there's not any, all, any conditions to this forgiveness other than confessing it. And it's such a wonderful thing to know, no matter what you and I have done. God knows it, right? He even knows our thoughts. And he still loves us. A uh, couple in our church uh, is married 53 years today. It's their wedding anniversary. And when you've been married a long time, I've been married a long time, wonderful wife. Our spouse knows us pretty well, right? They know us better than anybody else other than God. And they still love us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a wonderful blessing of life? So, the truth is this. You and I are not defined by our past, or don't have to be defined by our past. We are ultimately defined by our relationship with God. Not by what we've done, by what God says about us. And just quickly, one thing God says about us is this. But to all who believe Him and accepted Him, um, most of you watching, have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't, we hope today is the day you do that. But once you've done that, or if you do that, He gives us the right to become children of God. So I'm a child of God. Now, everybody's a creation of God, but we're only a child of God by adoption when we accept that gift of salvation. So parents, any of you are parents, let me ask you a simple question. What would your child have to do for you to stop loving them? Anybody that's here got, a, got an answer? I didn't get any answers in the first service either. I'm a parent. I couldn't come up with an answer. I couldn't. And maybe there is something, but I'm not perfect. And there's nothing I can come up with that I wouldn't stop loving my child. So why is it hard for us to believe there's nothing that, that you and I can do to have God stop loving us? So, I am unconditionally loved by God. <clears throat> so I need to let go of my past. But also in let go of my past, I have to close that door and open another door, right? Open a door to the future, if you will. And so what we see Peter, I don't know... Um, couple weeks later and Holy Spirit comes Jesus leaves the Holy Spirit comes 10 days later and then what do we see Peter doing this person that denied Christ not once not twice but three times he gets up <laughs> and preaches a sermon and 3,000 people get saved this person that denied Christ you think Jesus would use somebody else so again, your story is not about your or my failure, my story. 
but about God's victory. And it's not about our past or maybe our parents' story. There's a lady, some of you know, that helps in our Good News Club. We have this ministry to, to elementary school kids. And she doesn't go to church here, but she helps in our Good News Club. In fact, she helps in two Good News Clubs. And she's an older lady, older than me. <clears throat> but when she was a child, I don't know the family background, the issues, but she was in a local children's home, Sanmar Children's Home, her and her brother. And eventually she was in foster care. So when my wife and I met her, it was probably almost 30 years ago, my wife took a job working at Sanmar Children's Home on Friday and Saturday nights, all night covered the night. And the other person on staff during this nights was Mary Moser. So part of her background, negatively, she'd tell you, is being in Sanmar Children's Home as a child. And so years later, she's paying back, if you will. She is using her past to help her understand and to minister to, in that case, this time frame, it was teenage girls that were in Sanmar Children's Home. So God wants us to use our past in some way constructively in the future. So maybe we've dealt with a, an addiction in our past and we've got victory over that and maybe we can help other people get victory over that. Or maybe we had a spouse that's died or a child that's died and we can minister to people that have experienced that same thing. So my question is, what is your quote-unquote calling? What has your past qualified you to do to minister or help people in the future? And whenever I talk about past, I always think of this passage in Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> kind of puts it in perspective for us. Paul is writing to this uh, church he established in Philippi. And here's what he writes. Chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. Now, if you had met Paul, and none of us have, but if you had met Paul, he probably would, we would our opinion would be he was probably a super saint, right? So he's saying, no, 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 I'm not a super saint. I'm not, you know, I'm not already per perfect. But, I'm still working at it. I'm still stress, uh, pressing on to make it my own. What, what's, what's he talking about? Become Christ because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So God's adopted me into his family. I'm in the process of be, learning or being a child of God. Then he goes on to talk about his past. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Well, it's literally not one thing, but it's these two sides of the same coin that I've been talking about this morning. Forgetting the past. Now, can you forget your past? No, you can't forget your past. So what's he talking about? Forgetting the part of your past that would have a negative influence on your life. To begin to believe those lies. Forgetting that part. Looking forward to what lies ahead. Okay, how can I use those experiences to something uh, in the future? So it goes on. I press on. I'm not giving up. I'm pressing on to the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So we all have this calling. And the end of that calling is to spend eternity in heaven with God. So God saved you from your past so you can embrace your future. So you can be involved in your calling. <clears throat> It's not about my past, but what God says about me. It's interesting. All the disciples abandoned Jesus, all 12. 
But two of them went an extra step, if you will. Peter, we already talked about. The other one was who? Judas, right? Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss in the garden. And that's when he was arrested. Peter got past his past and went on to be a leader in the early church. Judas couldn't get past his past. And what? He committed suicide and killed himself. So the question is, is this story a story about Peter and what Peter has done or shouldn't have done? And the more you think about it, that's really not the focus of the story. Who or what's the focus of the story? It's a story about what Jesus has done for Peter and for you and for me on the cross. I got to thinking about this this week. If you're in a group photo, maybe a family photo, group of people at work, whatever it might be, how do you determine if it's a good picture? Who do you look at? You look at you. And if you look good, it's a good picture. If you don't, it's not, right? It's so easy for our lives, the story to be about me. The story's not about, supposed to be about you or me. It's about God's faithfulness to us. And so I like to give everyone a, something to think about or something to work on uh, after we leave here. Call it Next Steps. So next time I see you folks, it'll be 2022, or most of you, right? Some of you looking forward to it. Others, maybe not. I've got a son that's engaged. Maybe he'll be married in 2022. Um, What's it going to be about? Is it going to be a story about you? Or is it going to be a story about what Jesus wants to do through you? Let me pray with you. Ah, Father God, thank you. Thank you that you have a constructive, positive way to deal with our past. Uh, You forgive us. Hopefully we can forgive ourselves. And we can use that past once we heal. Hopefully we heal through your grace and mercy. We can use those past to benefit others in the future and and your kingdom. So God, I pray for all those folks watching or listening that you would do your work in our hearts and minds, that you'd bring us to that place. And especially want to pray for anyone that might not be a Jesus follower. Today would be the day that they would confess, admit and confess their need of you and need for forgiveness and accept your unconditional love and be adopted into your family. Father God, we thank you for your presence in our lives. Uh, We're never alone. You never leave us or forsake us. You came seeking Peter after he failed you. You came seeking us. You ought to ask your blessings on all these folks as we close one year and look forward to a new year. We're excited about what you are going to do in and through us as individuals and as a church. And we thank you in Jesus' name.